Welcome to the Asians Redefining Their Success podcast, where Asian professionals share their stories of breaking boundaries and switching into more creative and unconventional careers. I am your host, Yangshi Zhou. Hey everyone, life is great. Thank you so much for the warm welcome back. I've really enjoyed the last two weeks, and for the first time in a while, this episode. An episode was really fun to edit. What? And it also helped that our guest this week, Susie, has such a smoothing voice. I know this episode is an hour long, jam packed with such good advice and insights. So I'll keep this intro short. Susie Yi is a self-taught illustrator, storyteller, and cartoonist, born and raised mostly in the LA area. She's a founder of Cat and Cat Comics, and used to study biology at Harvard and CS at University of Chicago, before switching into art full time. In this episode, and heads up that it was recorded earlier in the year in January. We talk all about balancing the practical versus the passion. How she was able to kickstart her career by drawing on Instagram every day. All the different ways you can make money as a freelance artist, and how to take care of your mental health as a creator. Side note that Susie is currently participating in the Webtoons short story contest and tackling the topic of bullying in a short story format. So if you enjoy this episode, make sure to check that out and support her there as well. And now on to the episode. Hey Susie, welcome to the Arts Podcast. I'm super excited to have you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know we chatted a little bit before we started recording. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what career or you know educational background you were in, and what you're up to now? Sure. So currently, I am a self-employed artist, illustrator, and storyteller. And kind of my educational background, my College degree was actually in molecular and cellular biology, which is very different.、Um, I actually went to dental school for two years. I passed my boards exam, and that's when I knew that I really hated what I was doing. And I really was wanting to do something creative, but I also had this like nagging feeling of I need to be practical. I need to, you know. Survive financially, and so I actually transitioned into tech after dental school. I figured that tech would have some balance of creativity, since coding does require some creativity as well as、um, practicality. And so after I switched careers into tech, I got my master's in computer science and worked in tech for several years, and became extremely burnt out at the end.、Um, I think that. Tech has its pros and cons, and definitely one thing that I did not anticipate was actually the lack of creativity in most corporate settings that tech can bring. And so、um, now, after after a period of time, I was able to transition from tech into what I'm doing today, which is illustrating. That's really awesome, and that's so interesting. I didn't know you went to dental school. I saw that you. Yeah, and you mentioned that too in another post. I actually started college at sixteen, and you went to Harvard for your undergrad. Yes. 
and then you went into dental and then tried out coding. So you tried out a couple of different things. So how did you know when you're working in tech as an engineer, right? That's another very traditional and prestigious career. How did you know that it wasn't the right fit for you? And if there was a turning point for you where you're like, okay, I'm done with this. I can't do this anymore. I think there were a few signs. And honestly, I think that there were a lot of signs even before I started um, going into dentistry as a whole that this traditional career path was probably not a good fit for me. In tech specifically, I remember I distinctly remember how I tend to be a creative problem solver and I carry that into what I do um, today in a lot of ways. And I was really excited to, you know, try out different things to propose like all these like different methods of solving a problem. Whereas I think a lot of times in corporate settings, they, I used to work in finance at a bank, for example, and everything is very rigid. Everything is very, this is the way that it was done for the last 50 years. So right. <laughs> to continue doing it this exact same way. And I think that was when I realized, oh gosh, this is not as creative as they thought it would be. And this is definitely, I started to feel very, um, it started to affect my mental health a lot. And I think that when the moment it started affecting my mental health is when I realized maybe like I should start looking at something else. I can't live like this for the rest of my life. <laughs> mm. And then how did you realize that it was in the arts and the going after a creative career? It actually is very interesting because I kind of fell into it um, in a way. And so the best way that I can describe it is I have always loved drawing as a kid. And for me, storytelling comes very naturally and I love creating art. And even up until last year, I never ever considered art to be any kind of viable career. As in, I knew that there are artists out there who are doing valuable work, but I didn't think that it would be viable for me to do. Yeah. Um, and so... I remember in my last job, um, I was, I would go back home after work and basically all I would do is draw. And the reason for that is like, I would be so stressed out. I would feel really like low mental health wise. And the only thing that I could really fall back on was drawing to kind of um, keep me sane and motivated. <laughs> and so I created an art Instagram out of the blue and for me, it was just a very personal project. I just wanted to have something um, that I could just post my art on without really even thinking about, like, what is the marketability? What is my growth? Like, the numbers. I wasn't thinking about that at all. I literally just started posting. I participated in Inktober. And the Inktober challenge is, like, a, a challenge throughout the month of October where you get a prompt daily and you draw um, whatever it is based on the prompt. And from then on, I started drawing every single day. And that really was, I think, like a very healing experience for me. And um, over time, I didn't even realize, like in a couple of months, I had like 10,000 people following my work. That's amazing. <laughs> and I was just shocked. I, I was like, I don't know what people see in my comics or in my artwork. I'm still very new to this. I hadn't drawn in 
five years. So um, yeah, overall, I think that's when I realized like, hey, like this could be something. Like I didn't think that I had any artistic ability, but maybe I'm not devoid of any artistic ability. Yeah, I've actually always wanted to do Inktober, actually. Um, so I did the writing October um, before, and how I changed into my current career was actually in 2016, I did a whole year of side projects trying to like figure out what I actually wanted to do. So for me, it did take me a lot longer than it did for you because I, I just have so many interests and I had no idea. But like you, by doing it just for one month and consistently, it was really, it was much easier to build that as a habit and then kept on doing it. And that was how I was able to change careers in just two months because I like honed the skills and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Exactly. I definitely think that having that habit, making it into a habitual thing, making it into something that you enjoy, obviously, but also something that you put in the time and effort into every single day definitely will accelerate that for sure. So a quick question for you on this is that the thing that I often hear from listeners and from my own clients is that they feel like they lack the motivation to start these, you know, artistic, creative side projects outside of work. And it seems like for you, it was very, very much a healing process. Um, but sometimes it is still hard to quote unquote, find the time. So I'm curious how you were able to do it in a balanced and in a nurturing way. Sure. I think that oftentimes I'm, I'm very fortunate now to be a part of a huge artistic community. And I hear a lot of the similar kind of thoughts of like, oh, it's so hard to keep motivated, especially to draw every single day. And I think part of it is that we are trained by society to feel like we have to perfect something and have this idea that we have to put out something into the world that is the pinnacle of success and whatever that means. And so I think my, my take on that would be, you don't have to post something or you don't even have to post anything at all. It could just be even for yourself, um, but even just drawing or you know, whatever kind of art that you do, writing, et cetera, every single day, even if it's for one minute to five minutes to 10 minutes or however long you really feel like it, just even doing it for that even short amount of time without thinking about who's going to see it you know, is this perfect? Is this better or worse than someone else's piece of art? I think that's easier said than done, but training your mind like mentally to think like that is I think the first step to kind of getting out of that funk. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's a really great point you mentioned is that I think oftentimes what's so hard to getting started is that we think that has to be perfect, right? So like just drawing for five minutes is totally not feasible because we're thinking oh, five minutes, it's not going to take just five minutes to have this beautiful, like perfect piece out there. And so it feels really, really overwhelming. Definitely. And even even something that I was doing yesterday, for example, um, I was very interested in trying out pixel art. And so I was watching all of these tutorials on pixel art and they were just so beautiful and so well done. And I'm looking at my you know, page and I'm like, wow, mine does not compare to the level of beauty that this artist has created. And 
I think what I did was I literally just take the steps of the, the YouTube video is like one hour long. And that's a huge chunk of time to focus and concentrate on creatively too, I think, especially when you're learning something new. So even taking five minutes. So what I'm, what I'm doing is taking um, five to 10 minutes every day and taking my existing piece and just improving upon it. And so that way it's not as intimidating to tackle learning how to do pixel art. I love that, taking it step by step. And I really loved what you said about just doing it for yourself, not for anyone else, but just doing it because you want to do it. And so how I found you was actually through the Asian Creative Network and where you posted about how last year you decided to redefine what success means to you and how you wanted to live your life. And that was when I was like, okay, I'm need to in my Susie on <laughs> because this podcast is Asian redefining their success. So I'm curious for you, what kind of inspired you to start redefining what success looked like for you and, you know, do things that are interesting and fulfilling for yourself? Sure. I think, as you mentioned before, um, so I went to college, I went to Harvard when I was 16 years old. And that's a very young age to start college and understand fully what it is you want to do with your life. And so even from that age, because I was so young and surrounded by people who were very ambitious in a very typical societal sense, um, I was very used to the idea that success means that you make a lot of money or success means that you're in a prestigious position. And all of my friends, for example, right now are doctors and, mm. <laughs> and they've reached what society calls like a successful career. And I realized after graduating that, that there doesn't have to be essentially one definition of success. And I think that really changed for me when I moved to Chicago. I currently live in Chicago and I moved from Boston to Chicago after I married my husband and um, he lived in Chicago and Chicago is kind of a melting pot of a lot of different socioeconomic backgrounds and a lot of different um, ethnicities. And it was really the first time that I got to interact with a lot of teachers and social workers and people who you wouldn't necessarily think of meeting when you're in a college campus, right? Mm -hmm. Surrounded by Harvard college students. And for me, that was very life-giving and so interesting to hear their stories of how they define success. Like a social worker defines success as I've helped someone today and I've helped change their life today. And I was like, that is so much more valuable to me than making a ton of money or feeling like I'm like feeding my own ego of like I'm in a prestigious position while sacrificing my mental health. I'm not saying that everybody who goes into those positions necessarily are, you know, doing it to feed their ego or sacrificing their mental health. But for me, that was what I felt like would be the case. And I think that's really when the mindset shift started to happen. And it definitely helped. My parents are in the um, counseling and pastoral fields. And so hearing their experiences and seeing it firsthand too kind of reinforced for me that there doesn't have to be this one definition of success in my life too. I don't have to follow the same path that everyone else is following. That's really empowering. And you also mentioned that before you couldn't quite call yourself quote unquote 
a like a real artist and you weren't sure whether you had the artistic ability. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Maybe the definition of an artist has changed for you and what helped you transition? Because I definitely had that when I started out as a writer, right? I was like, okay, only two people are like reading my posts. Like, am I a writer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you mentioned something just now very that that hit the nail on the head. Um, like it's like, oh, only two people are reading my posts. Am I a writer? And I think oftentimes when I was thinking about myself as an artist, I was defining it as a way, like, what do other people think of me as? And that will define what I am. Do they think of me as a real artist? Are they reading or seeing my work? That makes me a real artist. But I think the danger in that is if you have two people, 10 people, 10,000, 100,000 people, at what point can we say, oh, if you're below 100 people who are seeing it, you're not an artist or a writer. And so I think in the last year, a lot has changed in the mindset of how I view art as a whole. And I've started to recognize just how many different types of art there really are. And I think that anyone is an artist if they create something out of thin air, literally. And, you know, and, there, and once the act of creating something, I think in and of itself is artistry. That sounds so cheesy, but it's so, it's true. so true though, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I genuinely think so. And whether or not people view it, whether or not it's something that's making money or not, if it's a hobby mm -hmm. or not, I can, I think that as long as you're creating something, that's art. Yeah. And it's really similar to success, right? Because with success too, it feels like oftentimes we look for an outside metric. Like if I make a hundred K, then that's successful. And with art too, I think oftentimes we're like, okay, if we're able to make a, a full-time living out of it, or if we're able to reach a certain amount of followers, then that means that we're an artist. But again, it's kind of like you're creating it for yourself and you get to define whether you're an artist or quote unquote true or real artist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Was there a point where that mindset kind of shifted for you and you're, you can probably kind of announce or just tell people that, you know, I'm an artist, I'm a writer, I'm an illustrator. I definitely think that it shifted. So there was a point in time in, um, so I started drawing regularly in October mm. and after around six months I think in around May or June I took a two-week break and that was the first time that I had taken a break at all and I think the reason for that was that I kept second-guessing myself imposter syndrome is a scary thing in any field whether it's tech you know any stem fields or even art and i definitely thought that oh i don't have an art degree so i'm i must not be a real artist i don't have that technical background or any list of clients that i've worked with or any books that i publish so how can i call myself any kind of storyteller or illustrator or artist and so during that two week break i think i really re-examined um why i started out in the first place and it wasn't to have these numbers. It wasn't to create something for other people to see. And it was purely for myself and for me to share those feelings that I have with other people and share the stories that I want to create with other people. And 
I think that was when I started to redefine what artists meant as well, because I was looking, I had a lot more time to look at a lot of other people's work during that time because I wasn't regularly posting or creating my own. And I think that kind of like reflection is good to look at other people's artwork mm -hmm. and say like, wow, this person has created something so beautiful and they're working on this, you know, after work, they have a full-time job and I would 100% consider them an artist. So who's to say like, I can't call myself an artist if I so freely call all these other people artists too. Yeah. And I know you also quit your job last year. Was it around the same time in May? It was, yeah, it was around the same time in May. Wow. So what, I'm curious for you, what are one or two things that helped you gain confidence in pursuing an art career? Because there is a difference between, I think, I mean, there's a, still a gap, a distance between calling yourself an artist and like, and then making the full jump into going after a full-time career in art especially as these imposter syndrome is coming out. So I'm curious for you, what helped you gain that confidence? Sure. So actually, I think I had quit a little bit earlier than May, but initially I quit my previous job without really considering going into art as a full-time career. And when I quit, I was planning on applying for my next round of jobs. Um, but I really wanted to take a month or two of a break because it was so draining for my mental health um, with my previous company. And I got an email one day from a literary agent and he said that he wanted to represent me for a book. And I had not considered it possible for me to be connected to a literary agent at all <laughs> at that time. Wow. I thought, I thought you, that was going to be one of my other questions. Cause I, I assumed that you got the literary agent after you, you know, like reach hundred K you're currently at 200 K followers on Instagram. Right. So I, I assumed that you got it way later, but it was actually before. I think it was around yeah, early summer, late spring. And this literary agent reached out to me and I took the advice of all the other comic artists that I um, am connected to and they said, don't take the first offer, you know, query other literary agents before accepting. And so I reached out and queried three other literary agents and I was really surprised to get an offer from two of them. Wow. And I know how difficult it is to, you know, successfully query a literary agent. So for me, this was, I know like, I know that part of it is, it felt like external validation, but at the same time, um, it also reconfirmed for me internally how excited I was to create this into an actual book is I think what drove me to it. Because I think at the end of the day, you can work on a book um, while, it's, it will be tough, but you could work on a book while working full time and um, in a different career. But I think that for me was the final nudge. It was like life or something was saying, look, Susie, like take this chance and just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I will give myself a year. And it hasn't yet quite yet been a year yet, but I will give myself a year and I'll work on this full time. And I'm going to give it 200% and we'll see where it goes from here. And so that was really the final push that I needed. And I was like, I was like, all right, this is, this is the push that 
this is the sign. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's really amazing. And the fact that you listen to the sign too, right? Because I think oftentimes we like brush it aside or it feels too scary. What do you think helped you catch the attention of the literary agent? Well, I'm a little bit, I think that this, the answer to this question, I hope that people, the listeners don't take it in a literal sense, because I definitely think, I want to clarify that I think there's so many different paths to working on art or illustration full-time, and you don't have to check off all the boxes of, like, the same boxes that I necessarily checked off in order to get there. Because I know there are so many different comic artists or illustration or book writers who've done a different path. For me, what caught the attention of the literary agent was my Instagram following. And I think he had seen my posts from time to time on his feed. And so um, that's what initially led him to reach out to me. And after I reached out to other literary agents, that was definitely something that did help, I think, because it shows at the end of the day, publishing companies want to make money and market your book. And so it's very helpful to have a following. At the same time, I know there's so many successful illustrators and writers who are able to get their book published without having a massive following. So I think I just, and that was just one of the factors that happened to line up <laughs> at, the, at the moment, yeah. 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 And the fact that you so consistently created content too, right? You were creating it daily for about a while. How many months? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like six, seven months. That's a pretty amazing feat in itself. So yeah, it was definitely like, like going back to the earlier statement, it was definitely also a habitual thing, like going, getting into the habit of drawing every single day. Awesome. And then what I talk with guess often is you know coming from a Asian background so throughout this whole process um coming from the perspective of as an Asian American how was it like for you to kind of navigate that since I think you know from a young age we're taught to pursue the traditional the um prestigious definitely I think that the moment that I quit dental school my parents were kind of like, all right, you do what you want. <laughs> yeah. I think from that moment is when they realized, because I had passed my boards. I was on track to become a very, you know, stable, in a stable profession. And I think for me, that was kind of like the initial hump that allowed this hump to be a lot more palatable. <laughs> um, baby steps. Baby steps. But surprisingly my parents actually have been very supportive and I know that I'm very fortunate to have that Um, they prioritize my mental health and happiness above like what they view as success and I think their view of success is also very different like I mentioned they're in fields that are not necessarily traditionally successful but um, help other people in very like essential ways and so yeah, I think that was very helpful, but there's still, there's definitely still some level of, like, for example, I haven't told all of my family members that Mm. this is what I'm doing. And I know, because I know once I tell them that it might not necessarily be a pleasant conversation to have. And there's, 
in especially in an immigrant Asian mindset, the only way to survive really was to you know, make consistent income and find these prestigious um, schools or careers. And so I definitely understand where they're coming from and their fear of uncertainty. And that's a fear that honestly I have too. <laughs> it's not necessarily all rainbows and, you know, perfect pastures, but I definitely think that, yeah, there is a, there is a difficulty in talking with, um, people who may not understand, who may have a very different sense of what success is. Yeah. Yeah. I remember at a dinner, um, because I'm a digital nomad, so I'm kind of traveling all over. My family is in Virginia and oftentimes I go to DC to see my friends and my boyfriend. And I just remember at dinner, you know, somebody asked my mom, what did I do? And it was so hard for her to explain. And, you know, as an easier way out, she mentioned that, you know, I'm working for a company in DC because I think it just seemed more stable than kind of like, okay, she, she's a business coach and she travels and she does this and that. Right. I can totally, I, there was one conversation that I had with my in-laws who I don't think will be listening to this podcast. (laughs) They're not the target demographic, so (laughs) probably not. So I actually told them that I um, quit my previous tech job and I'm doing this full time in way later. So I think a couple months ago and for them, they were shocked because this was not unlike my parents. This is not something that they had ever encountered before or nor was it something that they agree with necessarily. Mm -hmm. And so even today, I know that they have a lot of difficulty in understanding what it is I exactly do. Like, I don't, they they say things like, I don't really understand, like, what do you do on a full-time basis? Like, how does it take so much time? I don't get it. It's a hobby. And I think there's this mindset that art and anything creative is a hobby. And there's no way that it can be an actual career. And um, that is definitely, I don't really know how to respond to that. And oftentimes I think the best response is, like just to say this is something that makes me happy and not let not let it get to you so much because you're not living for them Mm, I love that how bringing it back to you're living for yourself Mm -hmm. yeah that's really really empowering and earlier you mentioned that you have this fear of uncertainty right and I definitely get you (laughs) so I'm (laughs) curious for you as you were transitioning like what was the biggest fear that you had and what helped you overcome it? Sure. The biggest fear that I had, I think, was definitely making this viable financially and also making it viable long-term. And so there is not really a, unlike a traditional quote unquote um, corporate career where there's a very specific stage of you climb the corporate ladder by, you know, acquiring these different titles or, you know, doctors once, you know, there's like a very specific step. And in something like this, I think what people don't often realize is you have to hustle a lot for yourself and you have to define your own path and what the next steps will be. And there's definitely not any one way that people have taken their career into their 30s and 40s and 50s, unlike other corporate careers. And so 
I think that was my greatest fear because I'm a very big picture planning kind of person and I need a plan. <laughs> yeah. <same. laughs> so, <laughs> so I remember before I quit or before I like decide to make this full time, I sat down and I said, all right, what am I going to, what are my goals for my twenties? And what are my goals for my thirties in this career and forties? What will happen if I choose to have a family or if I do this? And I started, this is unhealthy. I think I tried to think of every single possible scenario. <laughs> oh my gosh. The pros and cons is probably huge. <laughs> yes, definitely. Because it's a very big step and I don't recommend people take it lightly to make that career jump. But at the same time, there's always going to be stuff that you never know and that you can never prepare for. And that's something that I quickly realized as I was making my giant plan in my list. <laughs> but that's definitely my, and is currently my fear is I don't really know what this career path looks like later on down the road because there simply isn't a cookie cutter step-by-step explanation or example of like what to do next. Yeah, there's the upside of that. There's so much potential and different possibilities. And the downside is that because you're creating it for yourself, you're personalizing it and catering it to what fits you the best and the lifestyle that you want that it's, yeah, like you said, it's very different from other people. And there's not like a step-by-step guide that you can take. Yeah, for sure. So on a daily basis, how, how do you kind of not overcome the anxiety, but how, how do you sit with this uncertainty? I think there's two ways that I do it. One is realizing that there's uncertainty in literally everything that I do. And this sounds really depressing, but we could die at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> and so there's an uncertainty surrounding life itself. And so If I try to stress out over every single piece of life, then I think that I would literally just have anxiety attacks all day and not be able to do anything um, for fear, out of fear. And I think the second thing is I always tell others who have asked me this question before that I genuinely think it's important to have at least a very broad level of a plan in a very broad sense, you can't just go in thinking in a, in a purely idealistic way and think this lifestyle sounds great because I have freedom and that's all I'm going to be thinking about. Like there are financial challenges to think about. There are practical challenges to think about and really having an answer to those things, maybe not a concrete answer like this is exactly how I'm going to make money, yeah. but at least having a plan of, well, if this doesn't work out, like you know, like, what are my next steps in still pursuing my goal? Like this, if this like plan of attack didn't work out, what is another plan of attack that I can take towards that goal? And kind of having that mindset, it's very scrappy. Like you have to be flexible and constantly on your feet, but I think you have to think about it too. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. And it's with every different thing that you try, you're pivoting and you're getting feedback. And so the next step that you can take is a lot better calibrated and has a much higher chance of success than if you just kind of sit there and think about, okay, what's the best way to go about it and overthink. Definitely. And I think exactly what you said, failures are not bad. Mm-hmm. Like I think, I think that a lot of times going back to when people 
don't want to create art or like don't feel the motivation to create art, it's fine to post or create something that may not be as technically, you know, as where you want to be or et cetera. Those are all the ways that you pivot and continue to hone your skills or hone your business or whatever it is. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'd love to talk a little bit more about the content creating process. So something that I often work with my clients that I hear from listeners is what do I do with the content? Like, what do I draw about or, you know, write about? So um, for you, how do you go about it in terms of determining what to create? Because again, there's just so many possibilities, right? Yeah. For me, when I first started, I have two um, projects that I'm working on right now. One of them is Cat and Cat Comics, and the other one is called Peaceful Panels. And when I determined what to create, or even how I started it off in the first place, was um, with Cat and Cat, I just literally took my cats that I have, and I said, I feel like drawing my cats. (laughs) And something that came out of that was I started to really want to create a story and create a world kind of around what, around my two cats, and eventually added more cats. And, (laughs) and yeah, and every single day, like when I'm thinking of ideas, I just write them down on my notebook and kind of um, keep them, make sure they're in line with the bigger picture of what I want Cat and Cat to be. And with Peaceful Panels, it's pretty similar in terms of the idea generation, but that that project is more of a very personal project. Like I, that's more for whenever I want to feel peaceful, I draw some peaceful panels and I post them literally whenever I feel like it. <laughs> I took a look and I definitely felt like really, it just, it just felt so relaxing looking at it. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, how does a typical day look like? And I know there's not a typical day and we go about our days depending on what stage we're at. Like before I used to be really like productivity centric and I used to plan my days kind of like 30 minutes by 30 minutes by 30 minutes. And I got uh-huh. a lot of burnt out from that. So my approach now is more of um, devoting the mornings to more creative things like writing and then the um, afternoons to more, more coaching things like working with clients mm-hmm. or hopping on consultation calls. So I'm curious, um, how does your day look like just to give the listeners a glimpse into behind the scenes? Like you said, I think how my day has kind of per- like looked like has changed. Um, But I do try to keep somewhat of a schedule in a broad sense. And so generally, actually, you mentioned you do creative things in the morning. I actually try to do like business or more um, non-creative things in the morning because I'm very dead inside. (laughs) When I wake up, I'm just like, I need my coffee. Oh my gosh, I can't really think creatively. And so, yeah, definitely just try to, I I run a small Etsy shop and Mm. I have a Patreon and those are all things that um, require maintenance and I attend um, conventions as well. And so that requires a lot of prep with inventory and signing up and applying to things. And so generally that's the bulk of my mornings and, um, afternoons and evenings is when I do the bulk of my creativity and I make sure to take breaks in between because I've realized that I work best in the evenings for creative stuff and so but I also 
like to draw throughout the day, I end up working probably a lot more hours than I used to at a corporate setting, actually. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I definitely work because I work weekends as well. And it's, um, but it's very fun and I enjoy it. But I think that's why I leave the afternoon and afternoons and evenings to creative slash restful things. And I try to take breaks in between. So creative block, resting, creative block, resting. So yeah. Yeah. And this is such a great example of like, you can literally design the days the way you want, right? Like just because I devote my mornings to creativity and there's a lot of blogs about how your your mind is the freshest in the morning and it's best to do, you know, creativity during those times. It really depends on how your mind feels and your body rhythm, your natural rhythm. So this is a great example of like really listeners, you can choose however you want to design your day. There's no right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And how was how is going into full-time, like having a full-time career as an illustrator look like? And if you could talk a little bit about in terms of finances, kind of what are the different money streams that are um, available for artists and creators? Yes. So there's many different ways you can make money as a freelance illustrator. And like I said earlier, I was surprised by how many different artists there really are out there. There's comic artists, illustrators, children's book illustrators, etc. And all of those have very different ways of making money. And so for me personally, my current money streams are through my Patreon and through um, my Etsy shop and through my conventions. But, and I also, um, do very part-time like literally 10 hours a week of um being a teaching assistant sometimes this is off and on throughout the semester um and that's also some side income as well and so yeah i think as artists there's really a lot of flexibility in how you can make money um, whether it's through patreon and other similar platforms like kofi um, some people do youtube channels which can be monetized and you know podcasts or twitch streaming i think is another one that some people do to stream their artwork and finally something that i am hoping to do long term is book writing and so for me like that's really my long-term goal is to be able to publish um, several books and have that be my main source of income yeah each each book in and of itself there's always a lot of uncertainty with how it's going to do. So you're never really going to know until it is published. But, um, which is why I think it's important to have all these different avenues. Oh, and commissions. I also do commissions. <laughs> mm, wow. I didn't realize there were so many different options. There's a lot out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then it just, the question of, oh my gosh, how am I going to make money as an artist? It, it kind of pales in comparison as you're, as you notice all these different options. Cause I think oftentimes when we go into a new field, we don't really know what is possible. And so that kind of keeps us stuck. I definitely think so. And there's so many different ways. Like I know that some of my um, artist friends who are on, on Instagram with large followings also do sponsored posts, but I choose not to do sponsored posts. And that's just a choice. And you can make money through that. And I think how different artists choose to make money is really up to them to tailor towards what they enjoy. Some people don't like doing commissions because 
it can be stressful to talk with a bunch of different clients for some people. Maybe other people love it. And so I think it's really up to you to tailor that too. Mm, awesome. And so for a beginner, would, is there any recommendations that you have in terms of what platform to focus on or how to go about choosing one? I would say that it really depends on the type of art that you're doing. If you're writing, I would not say Instagram is the best way <laughs> to get started. But for what I do, um, which is mainly comics right now, and for illustrations too, I do think that Instagram and um, Twitter, as well as I know that there are some um, portfolio websites out there for illustrators to use as well. Um, yeah, but I would say that Instagram currently is like the main source, main platform for a lot of artists to share their work. Mm. And is Instagram the platform that you found the most success in terms of promotion and marketing yourself? Because I started out with Instagram, for me, that is where... I found the most success, but I also know that there's, um, if you're doing comics specifically, there's websites like Tapas and Webtoons, which actually also give you money <laughs> based off of the number of views you can get. And so Instagram does not pay you for any of your content, whereas Tapas and Webtoons right. does. And so um, that's another revenue stream that is also a very good platform if you are specializing in web comics and kind of webtoons. Yeah. Mm. And how do people find you? Is it through Instagram mostly or is it through conventions? I think through Instagram is because that's my largest platform is where most people find my work, but um, also through a lot of groups that I'm in. So I know that we connected over the Asian Creative Network Facebook group. And um, one of the things that I've really enjoyed after switching to full-time is getting plugged into all the creative groups out there. And so I'm a part of a comic artist collective and in my local arts groups and um, just a lot of, and through conventions as well. And just meeting the art artistic community in that way, I think also helps me to be exposed to a lot of different types of art and for them to also find my art. Mm, gotcha. And for Instagram, what has helped you the most in terms of building your audience? I think that consistency is definitely one factor. And I do also think that at the end of the day, people want to engage with content that makes them feel something. It doesn't have to necessarily be, mm. oh, it's hilarious. It can be, this is really wholesome, or this makes me smile, or whatever it is, um, something that can be relatable, et cetera. And so I think that what I found to help with reaching my audience in Instagram has been to make sure that whatever my content is, it is something that connects with the readers. Mm. These tips are so great in that it's like, very simple and direct, but it's also kind of difficult at the same time, right? Because I think oftentimes yeah. <laughs> we wish that there was this like magic strategy to um, get clients or build an audience. And then it's really like the kind of hard and fast truth of consistency, kind of like, you know, if you want good health, it's like exercise, eat good foods. It's not as like, it's quote unquote, like unsexy in a sense, like it's not super exciting, but it's what works and it's you showing up consistently every day definitely yeah people like to 
visit pages on a website or blog or Instagram page that they know what to expect. Mm. You don't subscribe to a YouTuber if they're making videos of 10,000 different things. It's like you go back for the same type of content. And so I think that's what's important too, as a part of what's important. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And this question is actually from a listener is, how do you manage to promote yourself um, while making sure that you stay sane? Because, you know, you're on all these different platforms and in <laughs> Facebook groups and as a, you know, self-employed artist and creative sometimes, oftentimes actually, well, I guess all the time we are basically, we have so many different roles, right? We're the salesperson, the marketer, the product, the creator, basically everything. So yes. how do you, how do you balance the marketing and, you know, your mental health and not feel overwhelmed? I think it is very highly recommended that you take breaks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Honestly, for me, that definitely took a toll on my mental health. Um, halfway through, like I mentioned, I think that when you're promoting yourself, it's always this fine balance of that imposter syndrome of I'm not a real artist or, you know, mm. not everybody supports my work. And so this is not a viable career, like balancing that side of what you're hearing from yourself and balancing that with like, no, but I want to promote my work. I'm a real artist. And I think that can take a toll if you're working so hard to promote yourself and the feedback is not necessarily as, you know, grand as you expect. Like if you're promoting on Instagram, for example, and you're just not really reaching new followers, that can be very disheartening, I think, to think, oh, maybe I'm not a real artist. Like kind of like reinforcing those negative thoughts that you already were struggling with before. And so I think that's like a very good time to stop take a step back and remember like, like the whole entire thing that we, I think is a theme of our conversation is like, <laughs> like, why are you doing this work? Why did you choose to do this work? Like if you're doing this full time or if you're considering doing it full time, like you're considering it because it's something that inherently brings you joy and is coming out from that joy to like pour out to other people. It's not an empty well that you're trying to pour out from. And so I think it's incredibly important to remember that and keep that the focal point versus I need to grow, I need to grow, or I need to reach more people in the market. Because otherwise, otherwise I think you lose sight of the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is not to have as many Instagram followers as possible. Like the bigger picture is for you to make this into a long-term career. And that's only a very small portion of that. Yes. Oh, so good. This reminds me of this super powerful conversation I had with a mentor slash coach last year when I was kind of on the verge of breaking down and I called him in tears. <laughs> the thing that still sticks to me the most, and I probably mentioned it in early episodes of this podcast, is that he said, you know, at the end of the day, you are building a sustainable business. Exactly what you said, right? Because I was like, yeah. I was telling him, you know, what marketing strategies should I use? Am I just not good at marketing, even though I have a background in marketing and just really second doubting myself, you know? Yeah. And, and then I realized I was getting burnt out because I was trying all these different things that I've seen other people were doing, but not the things that really like brought me joy. Like I was, mm -hmm. for example, I was trying to like make this blog post go viral so that more people can know about me, but I don't really like making things go viral because it just doesn't feel that connective, you know? And so every time I did it or I try to do it, 
I kind of died inside (laughs) a little bit, you know, and I Mm -hmm. realized that, wow, like there, like you said, there's so many different ways you can go about promoting yourself. And it's about choosing a way that feels good to you, that aligns with you so that you are building the sustainable business business, because at the end of the day, you are going to be doing whatever marketing channel you chose. So might as well choose something that <laughs> feels good to you because you don't want to be stuck with a business and doing what you hate every day because that's not what you quit your job for. <laughs> exactly. I totally agree. And I also think that it's important to like note that Instagram is what worked for me, but I know somebody who is also an illustrator, an artist, he primarily posts his work on Reddit. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and <laughs> he has so many followers on Reddit and he doesn't have an Instagram. He doesn't have a Twitter. He literally has no other platform except for Reddit. And I thought that was just really interesting because I don't know like what his reasoning is, for example, but I know that like a lot of artists choose certain platforms because it's something that they naturally understand and fit better with. And it's not necessarily all going to be all about the numbers, but at the same time, like as you're marketing, you want to make sure that it's something that fits you. If you don't want to just post um, in the same, like trying to follow the Instagram algorithm, for example, like that's fine. There's plenty of other platforms that may not be as, illustration friendly but you might find like for example reddit subreddit for our illustration might be still something viable for you to try out or twitter etc yeah and i also have i've currently have two coaches and one of them literally just goes to conferences all the time and events like he doesn't do social media he meets people in person and he has these amazing clients so yeah yeah (laughs) and i'm curious for you how did you get your first client or commission So I, like I said before, I run an Etsy shop. And so even starting up that Etsy shop was a learning process, (laughs) a huge learning process. But um, I started offering commissions through there and I advertised it on all across my social media and platforms. And yeah, that's how somebody reached out to me. They're like, you know what? I would love for you to draw a portrait of me and my cat. And I'm like, Oh, I will do that for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's so great. And it brings back to earlier what you talked about, like having a focus, right? Like for you, it's cats. So it makes sense that your first commission was cats. It becomes something that you're known for. And with the clients that I work with, oftentimes they have trouble with picking something because I think there's this myth that, oh, the more general and spread out you are, the more people you can Mm -hmm. attract. But that's actually not true. It's like when you actually niche down and focus on something that you know, super brings you joy, you get known for it, you become personalized for it. And now when I think of cats and comments, like I automatically think of you. I think that's such a good point that you bring up. I didn't even think about that, but that's very true. <laughs> you're, you're a natural marketer then. <laughs> I just really love cats. Mm-hmm. And so I even attended a cat convention and it's very interesting. And yeah, I definitely think that it's good to hone down and figure out what it is specifically that you're passionate about. Yeah, I know we talked a lot about defining success and how you felt about success before and how your mind shifted. So what does success mean to you now? I think that success 
for me, again, this might sound a little bit depressing, but <laughs> if when I'm really old and moments before death, <laughs> I want to be able to look back on my life and really say like, I lived true to myself and I lived in a way that really brought other people joy. Like I want to be remembered to, for bringing other people joy and living true to myself. And I think for me, if I can get there in that way, it sounds so broad. And I know, I don't mean to sound so cheesy, but <laughs> I think that for me would be successful. Mm. Yeah, it, this is actually a um, exercise that previous guests have brought up before. It's kind of like the uh, the deathbed exercise. Like imagine you're 80 years old and you're looking back and it's like, what are you the most proud of? What made you the most happy? And again, like it is oftentimes that when you are choosing to be yourself, that's what makes you the, the happiest. And it's like a life that was not regretted and worth living. Definitely. And then how did you know that this decision was the right one for you? Like, if you, how does being in a fulfilling career kind of look like and feel like for those who are on this journey so that they can kind of get a sense of it? Mm -hmm. Actually, yeah, that's something that I think can depend obviously from person to person but mm. for me a fulfilling career would be something that can sustain me financially but be something that doesn't require me to compromise my values or my mental health and it sounds really idealistic i know but I genuinely think that it's possible and for some people that might be in a corporate setting working as in marketing or software dev and I think that varies from person to person and for me like I just don't see myself long term working in a traditional career path um, for that reason and I think that's what makes it that's what fulfilling means for me yeah yeah and I've actually been pondering upon this question lately and so my main platform is on LinkedIn and it's great for me because I love writing. And so it's like perfect for me to write daily on there. And every Friday I share like a client success and I had a really powerful coaching session the other day. So I was sharing that and I just thought to myself, wow, I am really proud of what I'm doing. Cause so when I was a marketer, I felt kind of queasy telling other people that I was a marketer and I was just, you know, optimizing button colors all day long. But <laughs> with coaching, it's like, wow, I am so proud that I'm in this profession and that I, you know, get to change people's lives and impact them. And it just feels amazing. So for me, that was one moment where I knew that this was the career for me. Yeah. Oh, well, that's awesome. I definitely think that there is that moment where you can stop and reflect on how far you've come even since you've started and you don't really realize it when you're down in the trenches and like, you know, trudging through the day to day and then you stop and you're like, oh, wow, like this is not where I expected to be one year ago and look how far or like, look how, like, look how much I've done, look how far I've come and I can definitely echo like I am so much happier waking up every single day. Like I wake up and I'm like looking forward to work, which never happened before. <laughs> yeah. And I feel, almost feel like there should be another term called for like whatever we're doing. Cause I think there's such a like negative, negative connotation with 
associated with work. It's like something that you have to trudge through and something that yeah. you're not looking forward to. But I think what we're doing is like, like you said, like something that we get excited by. And I also work, you know, much more than I used to at a startup. But again, like it doesn't feel like work. It's a lot more playful and something that I would do even if I wasn't, um, you know, even if it wasn't like my full profession. Yeah. And I think that's something that I also wanted to mention is that when we're talking about um, making a career switch, there's so many different ways to even transition to that. And one of the things that you mentioned just now was like, um, even if it's not your full profession, like, you know, that this is something that you would want to do. And I think for a lot of people, it's just not viable to like immediately make that switch. But there's ways for you to like slowly work towards that. And for me, like in the immediate short term, I don't know like if I'll have to go back to working at a full-time job temporarily before coming back. Because like, again, you have to kind of tell the line between practicality and um, passion. But at the same time, like, I think that's very encouraging because once you know what it is that you want to really do, it's no longer about like, you know, like that's, that's your goal. And so if you're, whether you're working full-time and working towards that goal, whether you're in and out of full-time jobs or working part-time, whatever like the path is for you, I think that there's, it's still like working towards that goal is what makes it so meaningful. Mm. yeah because it's like you're in a different stage now when you first started it's like okay how do I make this work well I even like it and now that you've experienced it it's like okay I know what I like I know what to do and it's more about like either scaling it or like modifying it so that it fits into your lifestyle yes I definitely think so and also like making sure that you take the steps needed to not only help you short term but long term as well and so just keeping that big picture in mind, I think, is very important. Yeah, I love to talk more about this. I know you mentioned that, you know, to be honest, I don't know 100% whether where the next year will take me and you're using this year to figure it out. Um, and it's super interesting because I think on the surface, and I get this from other people too, that, you know, on the surface, it's like, okay, you've made it, like, you're super successful, right? Like, you, yeah. for example, you know, have 200k followers, which is so incredible, you have book deals, you're getting clients, this and that. And so from an outsider, it feels like, you know, you definitely made it like this is like, you're all set, right? And so it's really interesting to actually talk about kind of what you're currently um, exploring beneath that the image or the perception that people have. Yeah, I think it's very similar to, or something that's very similar to what we brought up before was the idea of kind of making your own path and what is your long-term goal look like. And so I think for me, it's this year, taking, taking the year um, to work on this full-time and to really devote 200% to it has made it so clear that I want to do this for the rest of my life. And this is like very clear that I want to create stories and publish books and maybe work on a graphic novel. And like, so these are all things that I have plans for or want to do um, in the long term. At the same time, um, writing a book, for example, takes so much time. Like, you have to get an agent and then write a book proposal and then have that be sent out to publishing companies, negotiate the contract, and then 
you work on them. So there's a lot of time involved and sometimes it can take over a year to two years to actually complete the book. And so there's a lot of time in between. And so that's something that I've been really grappling with is that right now I'm able to do, um, convent, do a conventions and Etsy shops and Patreon. But later down the road in my 30s and 40s, I don't know what that tech landscape is going to look like, what software or um, web products are going to be available to make money for artists and storytellers. And so I think that's why for me, I've been really thinking about, is there something that I can do right now to make sure that I'm like learning and growing for, towards my long-term goals while also preparing myself to pivot if needed, if that makes sense. Because you never know where Patreon will go. You never know if Instagram is going to be shut down, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, there's always that, yeah, like that mindset of being willing to pivot and yeah, so I think in the next year, that's something because I have a tech background and I have um, product experience, I used to also work in um, product and technology together. And so for me, that's something that I'm really thinking about, like, should I build a portfolio for like product design and have that be something that I do as a freelancer, for example, as so that I can keep up with my skills or like, do I just say, forget that and just continue to like, you know, go 200% into this, even though there's a lot of times of waiting. And so that's something that I'm thinking about, not super sure about yet. Um, but that doesn't mean that the main goal and the main long-term passion is not there. Gotcha. Thank you so much for sharing that because <laughs> I think oftentimes we, again, like think we reached a point and then we made it and all was good, but that's really not the case. I think it's that we're kind of, for listeners who are right now kind of trying to figure out what their next step is. I think we're, me and you are in a similar boat, right? Kind of in parallel, like we're trying to figure out what our next steps is and the, the uncertainty is really okay. And sometimes it adds that sort of like excitement into your life as well because it's not mundane <laughs> and you are figuring out what to do next and it's going to bring closer to your ultimate goal yes and it's also something that you can tailor to yourself and so I think that's what's really great about it is that you get to choose what your next steps will be and it doesn't have to be the same Mm, definitely that's really empowering and looking back now what is something you wish you knew when you first started out? Number one, don't rush into things. <laughs> um, I think like you mentioned, I'm somebody who has so many interests and it'll take time to hone into one of them. So like, just don't rush into things and say, this is what I'm going to do. And then this is what I'm going to do. Um, and I think also looking back, I would say like have a very broad plan don't um, don't go in without thinking about some of the practical things as you know unsexy as that sounds like it is it is important to stay alive <laughs> and have food and then I think number three is like to really remember why it is you started doing or you wanted to start doing um, what it is that you want to do like don't forget that because I think it's very if you 
if you find yourself caring a lot about how much money am I making? How many people are um, like, what's my reach? What's my numbers? Then you might as well should have stayed in your original career because like at least you're, you would be thinking about the same things except without as much risk. Right. <laughs> so if you're like, don't let that be the driving force of, you know, like the business part be the driving force of what you do, because I think then that kind of takes away from the joys and the reasons for why you started pursuing this creative field in the first place. Mm, yeah, I definitely think having a strong why is so, so important because that's the ultimate feel, right? Not the extremes of motivation, the followers or money. It's really like the intrinsic. And you're also a self-taught illustrator. So do you have a career, favorite career book or, or resource that you would recommend? Oh, gosh. So I was really thinking about this because I think it so varies on like what it is you're trying to do because it's, illustration is such a huge field. I would say that I'm taking free online classes. Like there's a lot of online classes through YouTube or through Skillshare or through even like some artists do tutorials based off of like, you know, their style. Like find an artist whose style you really admire. I think free tutorials are the best first step. And if you really feel like this is something that you love and want to know even more, then buy books or go take an online course or, an in-person course <laughs> but I think dabbling in everything first on your own is really the best way to see if you'll really love it or not because you might hate it <laughs> mm. yeah so for someone who enjoys your style um do you have a specific recommendation that you can point to in terms of like a artist to follow or a resource that you really enjoyed okay yes not necessarily an artist to follow. I think that it's very helpful if you're planning on doing webcomics specifically, which is what I'm, my main projects are right now, then I think follow as many webcomic artists that you like, and then um, start making your own, and then join our webcomic Discord community. <laughs> because I think once you have a few webcomics under your, it doesn't have to be great. You don't have to have, you know, like more than one follower. <laughs> You can literally join our community <laughs> and everybody is so helpful. There's people who are established with millions of followers and there's people who are wow. literally just starting out and it's a very good mentorship community. That's really awesome. I think you kind of answered my last question. Let me know if you haven't is I was going to ask you um, for those who want to go into more of web illustrations, what would you recommend as like the first small next step that they can take kind of right now to get started and to get unstuck? Yeah, I might have answered it, but I think the very first small next step would be just to start posting, not necessarily because you want to gain followers or for external validation, but I think there is something about like keeping yourself accountable to post something and get into that habit. So I think to get unstuck, literally, even if it's just a sketch, post it on Instagram, Twitter, wherever it is that you want to start posting and just have that, make that your goal of like, I will post this once a week. I will post this twice a week and then slowly go down in whatever you feel the most comfortable. So good. And it could be a private Instagram too, right? You can just create it for yourself if you, yeah. Exactly. Awesome. And lastly, where can we find you for your drawings or advice? You can find my cat and cat comics on Instagram 
Tapas, Webtoons, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) You're on Reddit too now. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm most active on my Instagram and I respond to every single message and every single comment. And so, um, yeah, that's my Instagram. And my other peaceful panels is only on Instagram. Mm, Got it. Love that. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. I so enjoyed talking to you about, you know, your career transition and being true to yourself and really pivoting and discovering and being more aligned with who you are. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a great conversation. I loved it. I loved it too. (laughs) (laughs) So many goodies in this episode, right? If you can think of one person who would find today's message really helpful on their career journey, please, please share the episode with them. It could make a huge difference. And as a big thank you for being here, one of the most common questions that I get is, how do I get started in a creative career? And so I put together a free guide that you can use to start taking steps towards a creative career you love through a side project. You can get that creative side project guide for free in our Instagram bio at The Arts Podcast. Enjoy and see you in two weeks.